killing me, Smalls. To infinity and beyond! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the What the What Podcast. I am your host, Eric Creech. Joining me today, Kyle Whitley Ashby Brame. What's up, guys? How y'all doing tonight? Great. Feeling good. I'm feeling just pretty good. Enjoying this intro. I'm just really this feeling this music. Yeah, honestly. it's good stuff. I feel like I need some cereal, some orange juice, some jammies. Yep. This this would come on the Fox Kids Network. What Needs eleven o'clock Saturday in, on morning. Saturday morning? Oh yeah, eleven eleven thirty was like the one of the Fox last Kids. episodes before Soul you got Train. Soul Train. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dune. Kids will never understand that. No, it's like what do you mean Soul Train? It's like well, that's when we knew it was time to do something else. Like, that's right. That's when cartoons were over. Yeah, oh, we're gonna get DMCA time to go outside until song, the streetlights <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, uh, so. Uh, Wow, what an intro. We're, like I was just saying, we're going to get DMCA'd for that, and probably our last episode, too. But you know what? We're, this is 2022. We're taking risks. Look, if, if the Lumpernol wants if our, to come after us. If our YouTube videos get banned in North Korea again, so be it. <laughs> that is a if, price we are willing to if pay. If Kuwait doesn't want to listen to us anymore because we you know, played some songs. Well, that's Kuwait's loss. That's their loss. <laughs> if they don't want to listen to X-Men, that's, they got other problems to deal with. Oh, my goodness. Welcome. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. This is our second episode of the nine on the 90s season. The 90s on nine. No. 90s. <laughs> what a rush. <laughs> Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. And, of course, rate and review us. We accept five-star ratings, preferably only. Um, there is a renegade out there. We're not going to talk about him. Anonymous person. <laughs> could be a her. Coward. Could be, could be anything. <laughs> Show your face. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably someone we know and they're listening to this season. They're like, wow, they really did not like that. We know it was you, Hunter Baden. <laughs> Chris Rode, I haven't He's heard from you in a while. paying us back for knocking out Lego in the first round That's of the greatest true. toy That's of all time. That's what it was. He was like, oh, three yeah, stars. Yeah, whatever happened to Chris Rode? He started running like Forrest Gump, and then he's just been Man, running ever Mo, since. Tell him to listen to some podcasts Although, on his runs. To be fair, he did decide to label, because, you know, I'm a marketing person. Mm-hmm. I love a good, like, ploy. He labels all of his running posts with Roadrunner. Hashtag Roadrunner, yes. but how he spells his last name. With marketing. I love it. Amazing. Nailed it. I love it. It's <laughs> like when my brother got married and their hashtag was Get Your Creech On. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. I love it, actually. Oh, so, my goodness. So you've got big things to, to, to conquer. Like, yeah. You better be thinking before you ever get married. Like, I know, right? If your brother already used that one, I don't know what you got I don't know. I don't know what. We'll have to really brainstorm this at some mm-hmm. point. I got maybe, you. Maybe got soon. You. We'll see. Mm-hmm. You're a marketing genius. Yeah. yeah. You're, well, you're in marketing, at least. Wow. Okay. <laughs> oh. Cool. You're a genius. Thank She's you. like, okay, get out of my house, Thank Kyle, you. and I'll finish this episode. Get my name out your mouth. Yeah. Okay. Please mm-hmm. also follow <laughs> us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. At what the what media? All one word, I think. <laughs> wow. And we're also on Twitter at WTW underscore media. Um, again, second episode of the nine on the 90s season. Go check out the previous episode, the 90s mixtape. Also check out our previous season, the holiday season last fall, and the 100 episodes that preceded that season as well. A lot of great stuff in the 90s seasons coming up, but today 
we are talking about um, one of the, uh, you know, when you think of like superhero um, fandoms, I think those of us who were born in the mid to late 80s, our, one of our first experiences with superheroes was this television show mm-hmm. as kids. It was the X-Men animated series that came out in 1992. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about X-Men. Let's talk about uh, you know our memories of this and uh, or our connections with this series and how it shaped uh, you know our fandom you know in the superhero genre. I, I did I changed my mind. I just had a thought that instead of cereal to make it really thematic, what I actually need is one of those Wildberry Pop-Tarts mm-hmm. with, like, the bright green icing mm-hmm. that went on top. That would make it That would make it perfect. I also need one of those juices that were in the bottle, like, that had a face on it. I don't remember what they were. Uh, do you remember those? Or maybe I was just I know, a spoiled no, no, child no, no, in me. No, I know what you're talking the about. The commercials, that like, they were characters, but on the bottles. The, the uh, I want to say something like maybe. Gushers or something. It that, reminds me of Gushers, but yeah. like, I told Eric about it the other day, and I couldn't remember what it was. Is it Easy Squeeze? Easy Squeeze. Hold on, folks. While we're out there, we're, we're live googling. Doing this our is own. more important than X Men right now. Our own half-baked um, internet research here. '90s bottle with faces. Let's see. What were they called? This is very um, squeeze it, squeeze it, squeeze it. I was going to say I remember go. Mondo Juice. Yeah, that was but different. They Mondo came juice. after Squeeze It. Yep. So we're going to grab a Squeeze It. Uh, hopefully, a happy-looking one. Yep, there he is. No sugar in that at all. No. This was uh, Chucklin' Cherry. Chucklin' mm-hmm. Cherry. Oh. Well, it depends if we're watching this on a Saturday morning or we're watching a rerun, like, you know, or, you know, on like a week afternoon. Grab a surge. Sit down surge, and have a good time. Yeah, go ahead and well, you know, get your caffeine some Dunkaroos. Mm-hmm. Again, Dunkaroos. no Dunkaroos. sugar. No. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it. Wow. <laughs> so, X-Men. Yeah. Anybody want to start? I'll, I'll start because mine, mine are a little bit more general than you two's. Um, I so I was watching a lot of things as a kid that I wasn't necessarily absorbing just because mm-hmm. you know Scooby Doo really stuck for me because that was probably my the early inclination that I was going to be really into like mystery thriller sure. that kind of thing. Um, but you know, obviously Scooby Doo wasn't the only thing on TV, and so everything else was kind of this like massive amalgamation in my head of just like pop culture in my face and so I remember I'd wake up I'd go wake up my dad because I knew better than to wake up my mom Mm -hmm. and I'd tell him I was awake and he would say at a certain age you can kind of get stuff for yourself so he would say okay I'll be there in a minute you know like whatever and so I'd go get you know something to drink out of the fridge and I'd wait for him to make me breakfast and I would turn on the tv and I would just watch like whatever was on mm-hmm. and whatever channel I could get it to. And so sometimes that was Fox Kids mm-hmm. in the morning and it would be X-Men. And then, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't really keeping up with the channel, right? Like what belonged on what channel? Like mm-hmm. I didn't know where to go find things like, oh, it's 830, which means Doug is on this channel. Yep. I would just flip until I saw stuff. So mm-hmm. it was like Scooby-Doo, X-Men, um, uh, like Rescue Rangers, Johnny Quest, because there was like Bobby's all the Hanna World. Barbera stuff, and Beetlejuice you know. was on at the same time too. Right, that and show. so I do remember X Men breaking through the static a little bit, just because that was probably as the first. So I was the first child, and I was a girl. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have older brothers who were informing anything, and and I was young enough that I wasn't really going to school yet or, like, hanging mm-hmm. out with boys. And so I had no concept of, like, superheroes and stuff that was being marketed to boy kids. Mm-hmm. And so 
seeing this cartoon was probably the first time that I was like, whoa, superheroes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was just fortunate that it happened to include women, For right? Sure. Yes. So it wasn't like probably Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was a close second of like having some kind of like crime fighting situation mm-hmm. that I could watch. But the I, I definitely didn't have any... MCU, like there wasn't mm-hmm. anything on the Marvel characters at that time. Um, Fox had really gone into animation, I think, mm-hmm. more so, mm-hmm. and started marketing to kids. And so the X Men was the first time that I had really had any kind of idea that like there were superheroes, there were groups of superheroes, there were women superheroes. This was the first time that I was around like was thinking about like um storm and mm-hmm. like the idea that you could have powers around weather like that was fascinating to me mm-hmm. um so i again i don't really remember episodes storylines i just remember sort of like absorbing the x-men canon through watching this show, like the idea that there was a school and Professor Xavier. So then when I'm older and the live action movies come around, I have a basis for like the concept of what I'm about right. to watch. Whereas otherwise I would have had no idea. So for me, X-Men existed in this world where there were, you had the big three um, in nineties animation. You had X-Men, you had Batman, you had Spider-Man. Um, they were highest quality, best storylines and they still hold up to this day. Um, X-Men was, um, it was one of those shows where it had colorful characters in terms of costumes, in terms of Mm -hmm. diverse powers, in terms of great stories. It also, as, as it was marketed, um, it also crossed over into the toy realm where Mm -hmm. you'd see these toys out there that would, you know, you see the show, you see the toys. These shows were mainly up, you know, designed to sell toys and then you go to Hoot Willoughby's mm-hmm. and you see the X-Men Arcade and all these yep. worlds kind of collide around the same time in the early to mid-90s. Um, and it's just, you see it, it's like this rush of colors, this rush of, you know, special effects and cool things happening. It's, and it's the same effect that Power Rangers had where you have, again, a rush of different colors and, you know, different costume superheroes and they each have a dinosaur and dinosaurs are cool because, you know, Jurassic Park and blah, blah, blah. And... You know, you just you're overwhelmed by all that you're taking in, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, which powers would I want? Mm-hmm. Would I want to be Cyclops and shoot the cool little laser beams? Would I want Wolverines and have the claws? Mm-hmm. Would I want? I wouldn't want to be Beast. He doesn't have powers. I mean, but he does. I mean, would you? You know, would you want to be Storm? Like that was a consideration. Storm had mm-hmm. the coolest powers. Rogue had the coolest powers. I mean, right. she could fly and you know just. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just people's zap strength. people's strength. Yeah. I mean. And so, like, that was the the real big stick out for me was it was an introduction to what has turned into a lifelong fandom of all things superhero related. Um, seeing this show, it was um, it was the start of something wonderful in my life, and being able to connect it all back to this one show is really cool to me. Something beyond just what you guys have said, it's because it's 100% the same way for me. It was a big introduction. Like, I was a giant Ninja Turtles fan, so superheroes were all about what I loved. Batman the Animated Series came out around the same time period, and it was very 
much the same type of show where it was more not just little kid type show. It was also adults. Um, but something that's always stood out to me is, again, it's marketing, but Pizza Hut back in the day used to have a lot of tie-ins to kids type things. Um, I remember like the Land Before Time puppets, which I think was Pizza Hut, but I also know that Casper had puppets that like you buy a pizza and you spend so many dollars, you can get this puppet or whatever. Um, they did that with a lot of things. They also had this tie-in with X-Men, the animated series. Um, I think it was 93 when they first did it, but the what's the first two episodes? The um, Nine of the Sentinels? Nine of the Sentinels, yeah. yes. There's part one and part two, which was the first released episodes of the television show ever. Well, when you went to Pizza Hut, if you bought a pizza for four ninety nine, you could also get a VHS tape, which was that episode. You also got well, the two parts as a whole. You also got a trading card with part of the original X-Men characters, or at least from the show on the card. You got a poster, and I think that's it. But That's um, an amazing deal, though. Why don't we have deals like that now? For sure. Like so, I remember having that. I didn't. They also, I think it was two parts. They had this one, and then they had one that was the second episode of like about Magneto. I don't remember what it was called, um, but the same way, something that was really neat. Uh, that as I've gotten older, I've gone back and watched because it's really cool to see. But before the episodes air, it's not just a straight VHS. They have a roundtable, and I think they called it. Let me get back to my notes real quick because I want to make sure I list all these people correctly. Um, Wait, are X-Men Marvel? Yes. Did you why not know I, that? Why did I think they were DC? Maybe because they were on Fox at the time? Well, it was during the time, too. It's like later seasons of X-Men animated series. Um, is whenever Marvel was going bankrupt and selling off everything. Maybe I thought they were DC because they're still not really under the MCU umbrella because they were sold. They are now. But they are now. They are now. Disney has bought them. Because Disney bought them back. Mm-hmm. But for a long time, like, the the movies that were put mm-hmm. out were separate from yes. what was it going was on. That, just just like Spider-Man. And, yeah. Right, with yeah. Sony. Okay. Uh, Fantastic okay. Four, Daredevil originally, mm-hmm. Blade. Right. Um because okay. back then you could, when Marvel was going bankrupt, they were selling off the rights to these characters to try to like stay afloat somewhat. Gotcha. Um, okay. But they called it a creator's choice. So there's a round table before this episode starts about like five, six minutes, but it's Stan Lee, Scott Lobel, Fabian Nessieza, I believe, and Bob Harris, which were different comic creators or on current books, different things. Obviously Stan Lee being who he is. But as a child, I had no clue Stan Lee was because as we talked about, of course, I didn't know much about comics. I knew they existed. I'd seen them every once in a while, and I was like, recognized different characters. But for a lot of us, this was our introduction into comic book characters. This wasn't something that, you know, unless you had someone in your family that, you know, gave you comics or liked comics right. themselves, this wasn't something that, you know, you yeah, looked at often. Yeah, I would have had no concept that they were comic characters. Yeah. I would have thought I was I was just watching, like, something like Captain Planet. or For sure. That was just made up. You and know. for me later, seeing comic books, I was like, oh, cool. They made books after the show I like to watch, not the reverse of it. Um, right. But before this episode, it's really cool. You can find these on YouTube. There's two separate ones because of the two different VHSs. And again, it's only like five, six minutes. But they're talking to Stan Lee. They're all talking to each other. And he's talking about the X-Men and about creating this group of characters. And they were like, you know, we've got Spider-Man and we've got this. And, you know, they got bit by bugs. Or they got radioactive, like... He said, but we decided to come up with a group of people that were just born that way, and they were mutants, and they were different, and you know, it was a big ordeal for to come up with a, a group of people like that, minorities and everything else. And there was a lot of underlying tones of, of these characters 
um, that were going on in the real world. And so they created this group. Um, so he talks about that a little bit. He also talks about deciding on the powers and like who gets what. And they literally is just like, everybody likes to fly. So it'd be cool to like to fly. And so they gave this character this and they gave, you know, different ones and like lasers out of your eyes and everything stuff. Um, and they even briefly mentions too about like, it's not just great, easy things. It's some powers that people struggle with in the midst of having these powers. Um, but I hundred percent recommend going and watching it. It's a much younger Stanley than what we're seeing in cameos from the MCU. Um, and until this, like I didn't have a clue Stanley was like, it was years later now that Marvel movies had come out, I'd gotten into comic books and gotten into digging into things that I was like, wait a second, that guy that I was used to, like he voiced uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends every once in a while. He would do like a voiceover or whatever. But I had no clue Stanley was. So to go back now and to watch it, it's really neat. Um, but then they also play those episodes. Um, and I remember, you know, you're at home back in the day. You didn't. Nickelodeon and Disney were starting, especially around that time where you had car- access to cartoons all day if you had cable. But, you know, this wasn't a time where there was constantly cartoons on TV all the time. So a lot of times you would watch your VHSs over and over. And so I would watch this episode or two technically combined over and over and over again. Um, And I remember it standing out. I remember the very first episode, or technically it's the second part of it, Morph Dies. Like literally in a cartoon for kids to watch one of your main characters you've been introduced is killed right in the first thing. And it's like, they wouldn't do that today. Like I'm sure maybe they would on different, whatever series, but, um, I remember liking him. I remember not having any clue, like doing more research later, like morph wasn't a character before. Um, I think the changeling or something was a previous thing, DC on the rights to it, but he ended up coming along they're like, okay, we're going to create this guy morph, put him in here. And it was neat to see where this is a guy that can pretty much mutate and change in anybody. Like, and kind of, I don't know if he necessarily got their powers, but it at least looked like them. Um, and so they did a little bit of a jokes here and there where he imitated like the president or whatever, sitting on a couch and laughing at himself, calling himself an idiot or something like that. But all of a sudden you see this and within the first two, like whole episode, Morph dies, Wolverine, they have to leave them behind. They leave Beast behind too. Or Beast ends up in jail. And the only reason he's going to jail is because he's different. Um, right, right. And so all this happens, uh, and you see remorse from Wolverine, who's also, they get back to base, and he's mad because you've left my friend. Right. He's dead. We left him there. What kind of people are we? And I say all this, which sounds like some big, gigantic movie, and it's a, a cartoon on Saturday mornings for kids. Um, and I, I mean, think it was, it was a, pretty intense. It was. And, like, our, our, a line that stands out to me forever is when they're going, I guess, back to the lab to destroy everything, and the Sentinels are these giant robot things. And there's a scene where Wolverine's on the back of the NECA one and he screams like with passion, like this one's for you morph. And yeah. he like cuts the head off, like goes to town yeah. tearing into this giant robot. And like, for me, like that stands out now. Like I watched the clip today and you almost get a little like, not necessarily teary, but a little bit in the heart about watching this right. scene to be like, I was a kid and I, right. I understood that a connection well, a little and bit. And they came, like they came out the gate. Sure. These two first episodes with pretty adult themes for mm-hmm. a kid's cartoon, you know, like the idea that, you know, all these superheroes don't necessarily get along. Mm-hmm. Like they're already setting up this sort of tension between Cyclops and Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be canon yep. to a certain extent throughout the different mediums of mm-hmm. X-Men that they just don't get along. They end up at odds a lot over Jean Grey, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and that they're just sort of like flawed people who happen to have been born with these mutant powers mm-hmm. and that they are committed to doing good things with them and protecting other mutants from people who would want to harm them. Um, but that they're also like very much adults, right? Sure. So like, even though it's a kid's cartoon, there's flirtation mm-hmm. and there's violence and Wolverine's still Wolverine, right? Like yeah. he's very gruff. Mm-hmm. Um, like none of these characters are really like fluffy. Like um, Rogue talks off the gate about like coming into her mutant power about kissing a boy and almost mm-hmm. killing him, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I, I guess I always thought, well, the live action movies are for adults where sure. things get more adultier mm-hmm. and the cartoons are for kids. But this cartoon is very, it has very adult themes, yeah. you know, and it's not inappropriate, I don't think, but it's definitely not pulling its punches like, oh, we have to talk down to these kids. So, like it's just the X Men. Yeah. So, some of the social issues it deals with includes divorce, uh, Christianity, the Holocaust, AIDS, hysteria, and uh, feelings of loneliness. I mean, those are just some of the things that you see on this kid's show alone. Um, so definitely, I mean, I would say ahead of its time mm-hmm. right. in, in terms of, like, I guess, not dumbing it down for their target audience. Um, but but even, I, I don't even think you'd see something like that today, honestly. I don't think, especially yeah. some of the topics, because even the same first episode, you're introduced to the most age close to we are is Jubilee, who's a teenager, right? who is starting to have these powers that she has no control over. It's just starting to happen it's like she shoots energy or sparks out of her hands or whatever. She's been given up as a child because she was different or, you know, that's the vibe you get at least out of it. She's in foster care or, you know, with foster parents. Mm-hmm. And th- what they're doing is they're scared for her. Like, so it's not that they don't like her. They like, care for her. But they're right. also contacting this, like, military guy to come take her right. because they think this is what's best. We don't know what to do with right, her. Right, right. And so that's where the whole, like, premise of the episode goes off where... This giant, like, robot that's taller than right. buildings, like a skyscraper, right. comes up, identifies her in a file built into itself to say, target her, right. and is trying to kidnap this girl and take yeah. her to this thing because she has powers. Like, right. um, I was listening to a lot of podcasts today with just different writers or creators and stuff from this just to kind of get a background idea because I never dug into it. Like, I definitely think, you know, it's, it's still good for the most part. But they did talk about where... Stan Lee had created a lot of these characters, but other people had written and drawn them years since, like since the seventies or whatever from beyond that, these characters had matured and grown up a whole lot from what the X-Men originally were. Um, and Stan Lee very much still had like, you know, a supervisor type role in this where he came in and expressed concerns and talked about things. And he came into thinking like, this is very much similar to how Spider-Man's amazing friends were where each episode I'm going to, do a little mic thing where I talk about the things that we learned on this type of episode and the story arc and different things. And they kind of had explained to him, like, this is a lot more adult themed than like a little kitty show that we're used to. And what I did here too, is like they brought in the writers for this show and the same thing happened with Batman the animated series. And we're very much out the gate. Like, this is what we want. We want it to be more adult themed to like older kids, adults to have these themes to conquer these type of conversations and these situations. Um, and so they knew where they were heading right out of the gate with this versus there was some pushback with stuff. Um, I wanted to look up, let me see her name. Um, I did have it a minute ago. Um, the executive oh, Margaret Loesch. Yes. She pushed for it really hard. Um, they had already had uh, like a 
pilot of a show that we're going to call Pride of the X-Men um, in 89, which was based around like Katie Pride or Kitty Pride. Um, and it didn't go over and it didn't get made. Well, she ends up becoming uh, the head of Fox Children's Network and immediately says, okay, great, we're making a comic on the, or a cartoon on the X-Men. Um, and you, you said something earlier, Ashby, to you about a lot of female characters in this TV show. And, you know, from us growing up too, like the closest other thing you have is Power Rangers. Like you either had the yellow or pink Ranger and it was just like, that was your options. But on this show, even in these first episode or two, there's multiple scenes where like the main cast is like three of the superheroes that are women and one guy, maybe like it wasn't right. all guys and maybe one lady in the back kind of doing well, whatever. And the women are kind of in charge for sure. You know, like yeah. storms, like this is what we're doing. And rogues like, I'm going over there. You get behind me. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't, it, I mean, it, it was never even like the guys are in charge mm-hmm. or that. Well, the guys were too busy bickering and fighting. Right. It yeah. definitely is kind of like the guys yeah. are like the kids that the women have to be like, act right. Like, come on, mm-hmm. we got stuff to do today, you know? Yeah. It's just really interesting that like out of the gate without any sort of exposition, it's like these girls are like doing it, like yeah. getting it done. And the guys are kind of like just bickering in the corner. Um and it was just really interesting to me that there that was happening in the early 90s mm-hmm. you know i feel like this is in a lot of ways ahead of its time in that sense and we also talk about like not like i mentioned it before not talking down to kids mm-hmm. i think that there were some people who were ahead of their time in the sense that like they understood that children can process a more nuanced message more mm-hmm. sometimes than we give them credit for. And um, I just thought it was really interesting that I think this show, maybe even Captain Planet to a certain extent, sure. you know, you're not like, you're not talking to kids like they're dumb. You're talking to yeah. kids like they're small adults, right? That mm-hmm. can understand nuance. And so I thought that was really interesting. Um, you know, cause at some point in your life, you know, you go to bed and it's all Barney and Blue's Clues mm-hmm. and you wake up and you've just evolved from that. Like that's dumb or sure. whatever. And you need more nuance, mm-hmm. but you're also not allowed to watch like Nash Bridges sure. and Party of Five or whatever with your older sibling or your adults, because uh, your parents, because that's too adult, right? And so I think in the 90s, there were networks who were understanding this like, liminal space for mm-hmm. kids who were our age in the mid nineties that needed some kind of transitionary entertainment. Like don't treat us like we're dumb. Sure. But we also probably don't need to be seen like gun violence. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's the same way they, they get away with things where you can't go rip somebody's arm off. Right. But when you put these giant robots in, you can, and Correct. there's not an issue right, with that. Cause they're not human. Yeah. And it's, you know, and they're very much obvious. It's not a human. So they're able right. to do these things. But even think, like, at this time, we were five, six, seven, like, around that age for each of us when this first came out. So to think around that age and a little bit more, but it's not that it evolved into this. We're talking about the first episode is right out the gate. It was nuts to me that I was watching the first two episodes of the first season of this show. Mm -hmm. Like, it was very much in media rot. Like, Like, I was like... I almost had to go back and look to make sure I clicked on the right thing because it felt like the two-part season finale of, like, a season three. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just like, and we're in the middle of the story. Yeah. 
<laughs> like they formed, there's rules, there's all this stuff that like we'll get to that later. Right now we're just in the middle of it. And there's so much that typically wouldn't. Most shows would try to start you off with here's this and here's right. that. Um, and something that's cool to see, we talked about the writing a little bit, is some of these writers came from your typical Disney Afternoon characters. Like they were writing Chippendale Rescue Rangers. They right. were writing Tailspin. They were writing a lot of these things. Things that we love too. Like I'm not right. dashing any of that. <laughs> but for sure. But it came from that type of environment to these writers got brought into, okay, this is your previous work. This is what this is. Right. And to know that, honestly, it's kind of for that whole same age group. Like, we would watch this and then watch Tailspin in the afternoons. Right. Um, something else that evolved with this, and, you know, Eric's talked about it too, is the toys that came out of this. Mm -hmm. This was huge um, in general for these toys that came out. But something that stands on my mind is all these years later, when Avengers started taking place, and we live in this world now that superheroes aren't just, you know, for kids anymore. It's for everybody. It's okay to like superheroes. There was still a big issue where the only person you really had was kind of Black Widow, and they were very hesitant to put out any, like, toys or merch or anything for right. her. There was a big issue that got brought up in the news, and it got brought up here and there, versus back then, they were making Storm action figures. They made right. Rogue action figures. Right. And as a boy... I wanted them, like, because yeah. they're part of this cast. It doesn't matter what they are. Right. Like, it's not like, oh, well, they're girls. Yeah. Like, it, and again, that's where I feel like we don't credit kids enough, right? For sure. You know, like, boys aren't going to want girl superhero action figures where they're not thinking that they're girls. No, they're we need a storm. That, like, like, she's amazing and can control the weather, and she's one of the key components. You can't have the set without her. 100%. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know? and I think that's part of that I love, too, is because, again, we've talked about it before, but, like, I grew up with a best friend, you know, that was a girl and you wanted to be able to do these things and like enjoy these type of things together. I say that as an adult now, deeply thinking about it, but as a kid, I didn't, we just like, right. this is who I'm going to be. I'm going to be this or this, right. or we're going to play this. And like, I don't know. It's just so cool to me to see, like, even then as kids, we were able to break through and be like, no, you can make right. tons of these characters. And then all these years later, there was still somewhat of an issue of, uh, yeah. Maybe I had don't make a these toys. huge crush on Gambit. Yeah. And I would throw my dad's playing cards around the living room. Like, 100%. I can make that. I can do this. You know, like that's basically what he's doing. They didn't explode, unfortunately. I think that's a good. In my mind, they did. I think that's a good transition to uh, some of our superla uh, superlatives. Mm -hmm. uh, favorite character? Gambit, obviously, in any incarnation. Like Taylor Kish, animated. I don't care. The accent, the whole package, the kinetic energy thing. It's all hot, super hot. It was hot when I was seven, still hot. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> well, I love the fact you have Gambit. Like, he wasn't your super obvious superhero character. None of right. these are, honestly. Some of them are different, well, but like. Gambit is definitely, you don't realize it when you're younger, but Gambit is like, especially with his storyline and his whole like mon cher, mm -hmm. like ethos or whatever. Is the Baronic hero. Yeah. Like, he's the bad guy that is just, like, begrudgingly good because it suits him, you know? Like, he's definitely the one that's kind of like, I'm going to do what I want to do, and you're just lucky that it currently suits me to go along with whatever y'all are doing, mm -hmm. you know? Like, he's just the guy that's kind of, like, there, yeah. you know? And I think that's what makes him interesting and makes him relatable, right? Because... Yeah. All, like, you know, Storm is the kind of person that, like, is there for the morals of it because mm -hmm. she's a good person, because it's the right thing to do, mm -hmm. because she cares for Professor Xavier. And Gambit's, like, could go start a brawl over a poker game, could go help the X-Men save the day. Depends on what I'm feeling. I got a house over here with the X-Men. I got a <laughs> right. room here, so right. I'm going to stay here for now. Yeah. How about you, Eric? Gambit was a favorite. Mm -hmm. Um 
my family, uh, we grew up playing a bunch of cards, so I got drawn to, you know, his kinetic energy mm-hmm. using playing cards as his main projectile. Um, I... I don't know. I was really drawn to Cyclops, mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't know why. Um, maybe it's because he was the perceived leader of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because he shot cool red, you know, blast mm-hmm. out of his eyes. But um, I was really drawn to Cyclops, and you know, like they had the like little. There was three main toys um, for like costumes. They had like a helmet and like a little glove you could put on. Mm-hmm. Um, you had the Cyclops helmet. You had the Wolverine uh, helmet with the claw glove, mm-hmm. and then you had Magneto. And I wanted the Cyclops one so bad, and I got it, and it was such a letdown because I put it on my head and I pressed the button, and I'm like, "That's it." That's it. Oh, so yeah. from that point, right? Kind of like a little light bulb that blinks. I moved over to Wolverine because not only did I get to wear the cool headgear, right. but I could slash things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was cool. <laughs> so Look, the dichotomy I feel like of Cyclops, like poor Scott, is you know he has one of the coolest powers. But he's also the leader, right? And so, it, you know, he can come off, I think, sometimes as, like, righteous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I maybe I'm painting with, like, live-action colors, too, where, like, it's James Marsden, right, who plays Scott in the live-action? Yes. I think so, yeah. And, I, you know, I, like, the way he plays him, he does kind of come off as, like, well, you know, I'm right or whatever. Mm-hmm. But even in this like one of the first episodes of this animated series, he's like, I don't apologize for command decisions. And I'm like, okay, Mr. Uh, Self-Righteous. Like, so it's it's like the, the beauty of Cyclops is you're like, he's cool. He's got cool powers. He's the leader. But then because he's the leader, he has to be the one that's like, this is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. This is how it's going to be. And you're like, ugh, you're so like, Mr. Rules over here, you know? (laughs) And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention rogue. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I was drawn to her. You know, what kind of accent was it? Um, Southern. Southern. Mm-hmm. No, Gambit was Cajun. She was but just hers comes off. Sometimes they feel like they come from the Cajun same place. Yeah. Fan, like hers comes. It's almost like a deep South Louisiana, mm-hmm. Mississippi, maybe yeah. situation. Um, but just the fact that she could fly, the fact that she could absorb powers was really cool to me. Because she also saying. speaks French at one point. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. that makes sense. Not just Gambit. I I don't know. Yeah. Kyle, what about you? Um. I think originally, and I remember even in the past like 10 years, Tim Hutchinson's like, who was your favorite character? And I was like, Morph was my favorite character because he could be anybody. Like, boo. But yeah, that's the generic <laughs> answer. If I had a wish, I'd wish for more wishes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully, like, I really did like the character of Morph because of his like comedic sense about things, like where he was like committed to the team, but he also was just funny. But beyond that, I was totally, like, in love with Wolverine. Like, if I could be this, I'd want to be that character. I'd want to be cool like that. And I think it's funny because we talked about Cyclops is the leader type role, and you have Wolverine that's, like, against him and whatever. And it's completely like that with Ninja Turtles, where Leonardo is the leader. Right. And then Raph is the one with the attitude and, like, claw-type weapons. Right. But it's funny where, like, I don't get that vibe with Ninja Turtles. With Ninja Turtles, I'm like... Why you gotta be such a jerk? Like he's just trying to do the best for the team. Like why right. do you have to come at him? But right. again, like you say with Cyclops, he's like, right. "This is my role. This is what I do." Versus like Leonardo, half the time is like, "I didn't pick this position. I'm just trying to do the best I can for right. us." Like, mm-hmm. well, Wolverine is the perfect like mix. I feel like it's because you have like 
Cyclops, who's like, says he cares, cares. Mm-hmm. Gambit says he doesn't care, doesn't care. Yeah. Wolverine says he doesn't care, cares. Totally cares. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chaos neutral. Yes, exactly. And you also get the vibe of, like, Scott's your typical, like, jock character. If you were to, like, categorize people, and then Wolverine's, like, the cool kid that He's gets like in the, trouble. the loner, the lone wolf, yep. the bot, you know, who wears right. the leather jacket. And- right. 100%. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just think that was something cool to meet you. And I feel like... The fact that he wasn't overly powerful. Like, you come to know later, like, he can heal and all these things. We didn't know that in the beginning. You just knew he had claws and was pretty fit. And he could, like, jump around and smell things pretty good. Yeah. But for me, same way with the toys. They came out, like, I remember having, I still have him, like, the Wolverine with, like, little claws that can come out. Mm -hmm. They gave Wolverine his own, like, Jeep-like vehicle that it's not in the the cartoon. He drives a Jeep-like vehicle or, like, a car-type thing. But in the toys, they made it like bright yellow and everything with looks like Wolverine. Do you know how um, long it took me to figure out that Wolver- like the <laughs> Wolverine was an animal? The, like yeah. his whole theme. It didn't click to me as a child. I didn't well, even know Wolverines Hugh, were things. Hugh Jackman didn't either. <laughs> Whenever he got the role, he, <laughs> like he, he thought it was based, <laughs> based off a wolf. Yeah. Or, right. You know, like, yeah. No, it's, like, it's a Wolverine. Wolverine. You're from so. Australia. Hugh, come on. Come you know, on. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> speaking of Australia, like in the whole pride of uh, the X-Men, whatever thing, and even like Spider-Man and his amazing friends had some crossovers with X-Men. And they had an Australian voice actor that was very Australian. Like, yes. Wolverine was Australian for right. all you knew. Yes. Right. And it's funny because they didn't do, like, they didn't like his accent and pride of the X-Men or whatever, so they didn't pass it or whatever. They didn't like him being Australian. Yet, all of these years later with Logan, you have an Australian actor who right. comes in with a fake English right. accent yeah. to do this character. Yeah. Be Canadian. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> what? So, uh, the next superlative I have is favorite episode story. I don't know if we know the series well enough to have a favorite episode, but I do want to point out that this, very similar to the Spider-Man animated series, mm-hmm. set up long-term storytelling, which is sure. very, it was very rare and maybe still rare for children's shows to have something that's a story that's long-term, longer than one episode. Like every episode for us as kids felt like it was a self-contained episode. Right. Um, to the point where like if you were talking about the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the fact they had a five-part episode to introduce mm-hmm. the Green Ranger, that was a big deal. It wasn't sure. just Monster of the Week. But right. the X-Men, every episode was connected. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you got, um, you know, it was like, you mentioned like this sounds like movies, you know, featured films. You know, it was the best of both worlds where you got to see it play out long form storytelling over several episodes right. where you introduce villains such as Magneto, who was a villain, but also kind of a shades of gray. Like he has a mm-hmm. good point. He's kind of like a, a killmonger from mm-hmm. Black Panther. Right. You introduce Mr. Sinister, who I still very vividly remember as one of my favorite villains of the mm-hmm. series. Right. You introduce Apocalypse in um, in his own storyline. You introduce the Phoenix Force. Mm-hmm. I mean, just so yeah. many great. You even have Medusa with Apocalypse, yes. like, who has her own like wavery, like, am I good, bad? You have um, Days of Future Past, uh, which is a two part episode. Not Medusa Mystique, sorry. Mystique, yeah, not Keep Medusa. going, sorry. Um, you have all, all these things that you, that's the Check thing that I don't necessarily have a favorite. But right. I do vividly remember as a kid, like, this was appointment television because it's like, well, I need to see what happens on the next well, episode. Well, and honestly, like, <clears throat> it's worth mentioning that that's a gamble, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. the reason that you don't create appointment television for kids is because you realize that they're not in charge of right. when and where they're watching TV mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. You know, you can create serial television for adults because adults can say at you know, for the most part, every Tuesday at eight o'clock, I will be in front of my TV and I can make that decision. Mm-hmm. But kids, 
can't control when they're allowed to have television time, when their family is doing things, when they might be. And so the idea that like you could miss something because you're not allowed to watch it or you're not given the opportunity at that time, you could easily be like, well, I'm not watching this. Well, I think that was distinctly a 90s thing where, you know, the generation before us, they didn't dare, you know, talk about, you know, to their parents or didn't dare like when grownups were speaking, you were silent. Right, right. But in the 90s, like our favorite shows, our favorite toys, our favorite um, forms of entertainment empowered us to say, hey, right. go bug your parents. Go, mm-hmm. you know, go... Go to McDonald's know, and go pay to for McDonald's the Happy Meal. Go to McDonald's and pay for the Happy Meal so you can get the toy. Go... Get the cardboard cereal because yeah. it's got your like favorite... It, everything was marketed to the kids and it gave kids power. Like, mommy, I want this. Daddy, mm-hmm. I want this. Um, and to the point where our parents... Might have had some pushback, but they were like, well, we want to keep our kid happy. This is something that makes them happy. Now, right. I'm not sure every every child was like that necessarily, right. but I do think that was a shift in the 90s where not necessarily kids ran the household and you know, kids ran you know the home mm-hmm. and the time frame or whatever, right. but they did have a little more say in, hey, I, I want to go home and watch Power Rangers at 4.30 or 4 right. o'clock. Mm-hmm. I, on Saturday morning, I want to wake up and watch this. Um, whereas the generation before is like, well, you know, get up and you go do your chores and right. do this and do this. Well, and I also want to say that the <clears throat> federal, federal something, FTC, F- the FC, uh, FTC, right? No, I, no, FCC, FCC, anyway, FCC, yes, one of those government regulatory mm-hmm. types, federal um, communications. Uh, I want to say in the early '90s there were some changes in regulation about how. How to market. You could market to yes. kids. Mm-hmm. And so I think that some some rules that had been in place were relaxed and corporations could start marketing directly to kids mm-hmm. in certain ways. And so we were that first wave of children mm-hmm. that were in front of a television that were being served ads that were made for us, mm-hmm. not for our parents. And so then it was our job to then go to our parents and say, I want this. Yep. I, you know, I want this Happy Meal with this toy. I want to watch this show. It's coming on this night mm-hmm. at this time, you know. And that really changed the household dynamic because, you know, we could then say like, well, I want, I want you to take me here and I want this thing instead of commercials that went directly to parents saying like, get this for your kids or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and so I think you did see that that changeover in the 90s. And you could get away with... I mean, you look at like Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Mm-hmm. Those were not serialized cartoons. Like, oh, no. you, those did not that have overarching stories. That was problem of the week. It's basically your basic sitcom telling. Correct. Problem of the week. Here's how it gets solved. Everyone's happy at the end of the 22 minutes. Right. Well, something like... in the same way, keep going with that is... If somebody got hurt on an episode of the X-Men, the next episode, they're still hurt. Right. Yes, it's not. Right. We're Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles changed as it got to its later seasons. It was a little bit different. Same way they started doing bigger arcs, but in the beginning, like you could, you know, Raphael or somebody's like whatever messed up. Next right. episode, totally different. Never right. happened. Whatever. Yeah, like has it been two days? Has it been two weeks? Sure. Has it been? A but year? even in this one, like <laughs> biscuits, episodes? he's in jail and he's in jail the whole season. Yeah. Right. Something funny about that, just to throw in there, a quick fact with it is the writers themselves had to pick these main people and Marvel themselves were very much still involved too. All these different people in the room pushing about this until they got going and realized, okay, you guys know what you're doing. They, you know, pushed the main characters and everything else. 
Beast really wasn't supposed to hang around real long. Right. Or even be included. Get it? Hang These people, yeah, true. Hot. <laughs> uh, but they said, you know, they made the decision to put Beast in jail so he would be there. Right. So they could continue to have fun and use, like, they loved him as a character, so they wanted him there. So they put him in jail so that he would be there for the rest of the season um, and going beyond that. But no, again, same way. Favorite arc episode. I feel like there's a lot of it. Something, I'm not going to say it's a favorite per se, but something that kind of goes in what you're talking about is. For all we knew after that first full episode is Morph's dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He comes back in the second season mm-hmm. under, I think, um, Under my control by Mr. Sinister, yeah. He comes back. He's got these, like, heavy, like, looks like straight-up drug user, like, guy. He's got dark rings under his eyes everything else. The toy you could buy of Morph had three different heads. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. Morph Happy, Morph Drug-looking, mm-hmm. same one as this one. And then there's, like, the Terror... I don't remember his name, but it's, like, the Pterodactyl character or whatever. Yeah. Um... But the same way, all of a sudden, I remember being attached to Morph, liking him. Oh, man, he's dead. There's a big synopsis that keeps going with that. We're between, you know, Scott and or Cyclops and Wolverine about, uh, you know, leaving a friend behind, leaving whoever behind. Then this guy shows up, but now he's evil because he's under mind control. And so for as a child, all of a sudden, this big story arc in a cartoon where somebody thought was dead, all of a sudden now is back. He's evil. He's not here. You've got friends that are still trying to help him because if we loved you, I should never left you. And there's still so much going back and forth, but this guy's still upset that they left him in the first season. So absolutely, for a kid's cartoon, that's pretty crazy. It's pretty heavy. Get deep. Um, I will point out one one more story arc uh, before we move on the uh, the Dark Phoenix story, um, which was done so well in the comics and it was done really well in this show. Mm-hmm. It was done so well that the movies are still trying to replicate it. They failed. They've had two shots at it, and they failed both times. I never even saw the latest um, one with Sophie it, it, Turner. Sophie Turner. And they did their best, but Didn't it was, watch was not great. Um, like, this was, you know, in terms of viewing um, non-comic book or whatever, this this is the standard for that storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's yet to be, um, they've had, the movies have had two opportunities to, to get there, and they've bombed it both times. Right. Um, which, that's a story that, Honestly, needs more than two hours, two mm-hmm. and a half hours to really permeate. This is what um, right. the third season was. The, the whole season was mm-hmm. about, you know, it centered around the Dark Phoenix storyline. So, well, some important too with that is the writers, the head writer at least, went back, got 30 years of Marvel, Marvel Comics and like hardcore read them all to figure out what this is of right. like X Men Comics anyway. Um, whenever the movies finally made it, the guy didn't go back and do all these comics. He went back and watched the full series of X-Men animated series to get an idea of this is who these people are, this is what's happening. So to think like what we're talking about now is a basis for these movies that came later, which of course now we go back and watch some of these movies compared to like the MCU we're used to now and like, oh, it's cheesy. Why are they all in black leather suits like everything else? But for us at that time period, it was awesome because right. it's yeah. the first time besides like Spider-Man, you know, really for us that we're seeing our favorite people. Um, but to know this series had that big of an effect where the guy went back, did his hardcore history to put a lot of this. Now there were some changes and tweaks from like comics to cartoons, right. but a lot of some of the storylines from like major comic books were put into this. Mm-hmm. And that's where the knowledge of this came from. The same way the people that are making the movies went back and watched this instead of reading a billion comic books. So right. absolutely. Um, anything, uh, haven't aged well, what hasn't aged well, um, you know, 20, 30 years later at this point. Gambit's flirting yeah. for kids. <laughs> it's, it got a little, got a teeny bit inappropriate there, um, but I think it would go over most kids' heads. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm going to point out the animation in the fifth season was not up to par. Um, some of the, and the production 
um, some of the production in terms of airing episodes out of order, mm. which was a big deal. Um, like you know, especially as kids who was you were in entranced in watching this show, and then all of a sudden an episode's aired out of order. Mm-hmm. You know that right. obviously doesn't hold up well to me. I don't know if the accents would come across well these days. Come I, on, sugar. <laughs> uh, yeah, they felt like caricatures yeah. in a sense. Like just you know, they're a little over the top. Gambit's has a a reason, right? Like his mm-hmm. character is based. In a heavy history of like you know the Bayou, but yeah, French Cajun, yeah. But I, and I guess Rogue is f- from the South. Is there a reason she has such a heavy? I know she has a like whenever they do like a flashback because they talk okay. about her when she goes back. Where I think maybe you and I could be combining this with the right. movies, but like where you at least get to see where she meets that boy that she right. talks about about right. killing him for the first time. Um, and it does seem like she's in a Southern type town, so. Right. I just don't, I don't. I feel like us as Southerners kind of look at it and it's like, oh, that's way overboard. Versus right. some people probably look at it and like, of right. course that's what Southern people sound like. Right. I, I mean, but some of it comes off as like comedic effect. Sure. Which if it's meant to be that, then it is funny. But if it's not meant to be funny, then it shouldn't be funny. Yeah. And it's just, it's a little too much. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, giving, and they didn't do it in this series, but like if you're giving Wolverine an Australian accent mm. and then. She's Southern and he's Cajun and and she's then I'm from kinda... Caldecott County, Mississippi. That's oh, a fic- fictional Caldecott County, Mississippi. Okay. I could see it if it's from Mississippi, I guess. And not hating right. on Mississippi, but you do have a thicker accent. Well, like... but then Professor Xavier does not have a British accent in the animated series. I don't think so. I don't, right. And so and then also Storm, her whole background is like she's African. is the African continent, right? Mm-hmm. So like she has ties to Black Panther and his storyline. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have an African accent, which sounds like it might not play well, depending on, right. you know. So then it's like, okay, well, we're going to give some characters an accent that goes with their background, and some characters were not because it could get dicey. I just feel like maybe just lay off the accents. Yeah, for sure. I don't remember the full storyline, um, but I do know that that's at some point we get introduced where they go back to her original tribe, like okay. in Africa with everybody there. And I want to say there's a lot of pushback on her because she left. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't remember 100%. Right. This is me trying to, you know, 20 more years from now, like trying to remember back. But I do remember there was a big part where they're back and where she grew up. You come to learn her, her history through everything. And you do have, I feel like there were, and again, I could be making this all up, but I'm pretty sure there was some pushback on her about like you left type deal. Right. So I don't know mm-hmm. if where you left, your accent changes some versus they did actually have the culture shown on the show, you know, right. for that part. Right. But. I, I don't remember enough to really say for sure one way or the other. Right. All right. What well, still holds up? I think a lot of the storylines, because at least the a lot of the theming, where you don't see it as much today, but I do feel like as kids, we saw these things, and as we grew up, we saw these things in real life. And mm-hmm. so it was some things we could somewhat relate to, at least in some sense um, of understanding. I think the theming where they stuck with some real-life type things um, – and they didn't just cheese it up the whole time. Like, it wasn't, sure, there's some cheesy moments, but where you can still go back and watch this and be like, this is a comic book show. It's not, right. oh, this is, you know, they've made tons of shows since that are kind of just like, right. for a certain age, very cheesy, whatever. They enjoy it, let them have fun, versus how it can kind of hold up, same, similar to how Batman animated series is. I'm going to go ahead and mention uh, the theme song. It's still, still a banger. Still, still fire. Still holds up. Total fire, yeah. I feel like the anti-mutant rhetoric... 
mm-hmm. you know, as a foil for prejudice will never not be relevant. Yeah. Um, I feel like they've done it on, uh, they couldn't call them mutants because of the legal thing we talked mm-hmm. about. So they called them, what did they call them on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Uh, Inhumans. Yeah. Inhumans. Yes. They, you know, they did a storyline about Inhuman registries and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then when you get into, uh, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Um, Inhumans, mutants. Oh, and then on Supergirl, uh, on the DC side of things, they mm-hmm. had a whole storyline about literal aliens. Mm-hmm. Like how s- there were so many alien refugees that had been crash landing on Earth, like Supergirl and Superman, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that they didn't want, you know, Earth was closed to aliens. Yeah. And, you know, so I feel like those storylines are always important. Um and I don't think that necessarily penetrated my mind as a kid, but maybe there were some other like well-learned kids out there that they well, were uh, picking up the metaphor that they were putting down. I, I do think it teaches, um, and I'll be quick on this. I do think it teaches not to not to judge or right. dislike someone based just, just because they're different. Correct. Well, so. and that that quick video that I mentioned too, that's at the beginning is VHS tape. Stanley talks about the mutants and talking about how. They were able to represent a prejudice right. through these cartoons um, to make sure people were aware. Even then, these are cartoon characters or comic book characters, but this prejudice still exists and right. it's still wrong. Like you need oh, yeah. to be able to see. I that. mean, you look what Stanley did with Black Panther. Sure. I mean, really anything he touched in, especially the '80s, moving it. I mean, he knew what he was doing. Well, even too, and I'm not gonna keep pushing with it, but like. To see Magneto on this side of things, and then it represents other people in the culture of time as well. But you have prejudice happening, and where you have Magneto, that to certain people he's a horrible evil villain. But on the other side of it, especially later, where you see it through Charles's eyes and they talk, and, and you know they have right. that relationship. They're both trying to accomplish a goal that's very similar, and they're both going about it in different ways, right? Um, and just how they handle different things. And I think that was a lot deeper than some of the other shows we watched growing up where Shredder's the bad guy or right. whoever wants to conquer the world or whatever. Like, there's a lot more depth to it I think than once there was. you especially moved into, like, Days of Future Past and mm-hmm. the live the later live actions mm-hmm. that had the, you know, like, Fassbender and McAvoy who were playing, you mm-hmm. know, before we knew mm-hmm. them characters. Yeah. I, I feel like that's one of the things I got really right was mm-hmm. that, that relationship um, yes. between the two of them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Cool deal. I agree. All right. Let's, um, we got to get out of here because it's yeah, late. That's right. Uh, we have any fun facts about the show that we want to share real quick? Rapid fire? I have a fun fact about me <laughs> as nice. it relates to the X-Men. Have I ever told you guys about being um, drawn as Rogue? No. So when I worked at... Um, this sounds like a social media post at some point. It should be. When I worked at... Uh, Books a Million in Wilson, there's a comic book artist that was living in Wilson at the time, and his name was um, Lewis Small Jr., and he began illustrating comic books uh, back with the Vampirella comics mm-hmm. for Harris Comics in 1992, and he's done on and off work for, like, DC, Marvel, Valiant, Vertigo, like, and mm-hmm. he freelances, really. Yeah. And he would come into the cafe at Books a Million to just, like, draw and Marvel would give their artist um, 
sketch cards. So it's like you're sketching out a, a character card mm-hmm. and you could send them in. And if they like what you did, they might pick some of yours for like different runs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he would use the people who worked at Books A Million as like like facial sketch and then he'd he'd make them into the character. That's awesome. And he did a bunch of us and I had come in for a Harry Potter day wearing my green Slytherin cloak. Mm-hmm. And that, he was like Do you mind if I draw you as rogue? And I was like <laughs> No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no sugar. <laughs> so yeah, right? Yeah. Um so this is me as rogue. Very oh, nice. that's awesome. That so you really see, awesome. like, the gloves, and mm-hmm. he put, like, a streak in my hair. And I, he had me, like, bring my cloak in and put my cloak up. That's awesome. So, that's, that's pretty sweet. I yeah. can't wait for you, all of you in yeah. uh, the so radio land to yeah. see this. When this, awesome. uh, when this episode hits, I'll put it on the, uh, First this, week in April. the social media. Yeah, That's awesome. Cool deal. Any other fun facts that we want to share? I'm good. Uh, all right. Uh, well, let's get out of here. Uh, big thank you to Ricky Lyles for everything that he contributes to the podcast. We hope that you enjoyed our discussion on X-Men, the animated show as much as we did go check it out on Disney plus when they revive it next year, uh, X-Men 97 coming to Disney plus next year. Um, and we hope that you're as pumped for the rest of this journey into the nineties as we are, uh, out of time on today's episode, hit them with some last minute plugs, Ashby. I am Ashby Brame. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Ashby Gray, G R A Y. Um, and you can listen to me rant about all the pop culture things that I'm currently watching and or looking forward to watching this year. I'm Kyle Whitley and I'm on Instagram on underscore live underscore bright underscore. Um, I'm definitely excited for all of the new things that are coming out. Um, I'm not going to throw too much out there, but if you watch the new trailer, at least the new trailer for us right now of Dr. Strange, uh, there's definitely some hints of similar characters coming out. Uh, we and, should tell him the truth. Yes. <laughs> and uh, other things. I know they're redoing Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, kind of, yeah. sort of. I'm not 100% sure kinda how I feel sorta. about it. We'll see what happens. Like, like chipmunks? I don't yeah. know how I feel about it. Yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. But uh, either way, check it out there. I'm sure I'll post some things about that. And I'm Eric Creech. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at ericomac 15 And be sure to join us next week as we discuss Jurassic Park. 1993, Jurassic Park. Don't move. Don't move. (laughs) Stay as cool, ladies and gentlemen, as the other side of the pillow. We'll catch you next time. See ya. Bye. What the what?